Welcome into the Locked On Predators podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Robbie Stanley, taking you through this Tuesday here in Nashville, Tennessee. And man, it has done my heart good today to see some real life, live NHL hockey. It's awesome. I was just kind of flipping around earlier and realized at 3 o'clock, oh my goodness, there's hockey on. There's, there's real life hockey on. So I turned on... Uh, the Penguins and the Flyers, and was able to watch a little bit of that game, and it just felt so good to be able to watch real-life hockey again. So I know it's an exhibition game. Uh, Maple Leafs and Canadians playing today as well as uh, the Oilers and the Flames, but it feels really good to have hockey back, and we're two days away from the Predators playing in their exhibition game against the Dallas Stars. So really good time to have hockey back. It just feels... I don't know. It feels right for the soul. I know a lot of you know exactly what I mean by that. As always, this is the Locked On Predators podcast. Make sure you subscribe if you have not already. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're actually wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, believe it or not. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate and review. We would greatly appreciate it. It would do our hearts well here at Locked On Predators for you to do that. You know, we've talked a lot about the top two lines of the Predators here on the Locked On Predators podcast as we're looking ahead uh, to their series against Arizona. One line we haven't spent a whole line, a whole lot of time talking about was actually their best line all regular season. And that, of course, was Rocco Grimaldi, Nick Benino, and Craig Smith. And we were doing the show this morning on Morning Drive on 102.5 The Game, and our good friend Ultimate Predator sent out a text to our text line And brought up Rocco's modern line, as he calls it. And it's a great point. I mean, I I just think when you look at the contributions that those three specifically were able to have this year while together, they were one of the best lines in the league from a statistical standpoint. I think they outscored teams something like 29 to 11 at 5-on-5. So a really good plus on the outscoring 5-on-5 there. Rocco Grimaldi, Nick Benito, Craig Smith. I mean, it's, it's a line that really, just the way that they play is very interesting to me because you've got two guys on the wings. They've got pretty good speed to them and, and kind of different ways. I mean, Grimaldi is a little bit more of a burner than Craig Smith is, although Craig Smith has good speed. Craig Smith is just very quick in what he does and very quick specifically in releasing the puck and shooting the puck. Rocco Grimaldi... Uh, is just a burner, and he, those legs are churning all the time, and they're able to get to those loose pucks. I, I really like the makeup of that line. Then, of course, you have Benino down the middle, who had a great year from a goal-scoring perspective and really just puts his head down and gets to the front of the net. Quite frankly, I don't think there's enough members of the Predators that do that. So that line is going to be critical into what the Predators are able to accomplish. Now, do I expect that they're going to be able to go out there and contribute at the same rate offensively as they did at times in the regular season? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Probably not would be my guess. But that doesn't mean they can't be effective. And that's a heck of a third line, I think, to have at your disposal. With a guy in Craig Smith who scores 20 goals pretty much every season. Nick Benino is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. A guy who, when it matters the most and those moments are big, He comes up, he's not afraid of those big moments, and I think he's delivered. And look, I'll be honest with you, I was critical of Nick Benino heading into this past season. 
just from an analytics standpoint, I didn't feel like uh, he was doing that great of a job during his time with the Predators. I've been proven wrong this year. I, I Look, I think Benino had a fantastic year for the Predators, so hopefully he can keep that up in the playoffs for their sake because all of a sudden, look, we keep saying this, and this we kind of sound like, you know, preseason optimist at this point. Everybody has like a certain degree of preseason optimism. This is a little bit different because it's not a preseason, but it does kind of feel like a brand new thing. But just imagine what this team could look like if the Jofa line figures it out and they play up to their potential. Duchesne's line continues to play as well as it has so far during training camp, and Benino's line plays at the same level they did in the regular season. If that happens, and I am aware that is a gigantic if, if it does happen, all of a sudden you're talking about three really dangerous lines that the Predators have offensively at their disposal, which they've never had three really dangerous lines at their disposal, especially in the playoffs. I mean, even in 2017, when they made their run to the final, it was basically like, all right, who's going to step up randomly tonight? Like, which guy is it going to be tonight that's your hero? Like, Pontus Aberg or Freddie Gaudreau or who's it going to be? And that's exactly what happened throughout that run, even in the first round. Like, Kevin Fiala scoring a game time or an overtime winner. So, it wasn't necessarily that they had the same lines just dominating back in 2017 outside of Johansson's line before he got hurt. So, this is not something they've ever really had in a playoff setting before. And I'd be interested to see if Benino's line can continue to play the way that it did before the pause. Man, that's going to be such a huge luxury to have on your third line. So that was a great point brought up by the Ultimate Predator earlier today on Morning Drive. I'm just so fascinated to get this thing going because I, I was telling Chris Mason earlier today, I just feel better about the Predators now. Had they, or rather than had they just continued going, I know I talked about this a little bit yesterday. I, I just feel like they're a much more dangerous team now in this tournament than they would have been had the season remained unpaused and they just went into the Stanley Cup playoffs like normal, assuming they made the playoffs, which I think they would have, but it would have been probably in the the, the seventh spot or the first wild card, second wild card. Uh, I doubt they would have moved up any higher than that, but you never know. Uh, But just going to be really interesting to see, number one, who's ready to go first out of Arizona and Nashville. Because game one, we know how big game one is in like a normal playoff setting. Game one in a best of five is just so huge. So I cannot wait to get this thing fired up on Sunday. All right, so we're just two what, two days away now from the exhibition game against the Dallas Stars, and it's kind of interesting the way the NHL set up these exhibition games leading into the playoffs. I mean, you've got basically like regional rivalries going on. I mean, today you had Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and most of you know that's a gigantic rivalry in the NHL. You've got Panthers, Lightning, Wild, Avalanche, Blues, Blackhawks, Jets, Canucks. I mean... There's all sorts of rivalries taking place in the way that the NHL has set up these exhibition games. So I'm really looking forward, first off, uh, to Preds versus Stars, which I believe starts at 3 p.m. on Thursday. So looking forward to that a lot. I don't think it's going to be like your typical exhibition game. I mean, this is obviously a much different situation rather than a normal exhibition game. So 
because of that, I think you're going to see pretty much everyone that's going to play in game one, I think you're going to see them get significant playing time in this exhibition game. Now, I'm not going to say that they're going to go out there and play Roman Yossi like, you know, 30 minutes against the Dallas Stars because I kind of doubt that happens. But I will say you got to treat this as like a regular game. You got to get yourself ready to go and back in the swing of things. That's what I noticed today in the game with, with Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. I mean, it, it looked like a real hockey game. And I expect the Predators game against the Stars to look the exact same way. And I think the goaltending is going to be really interesting to watch. And we've talked about it on here. I, I said the other day on the podcast that my game one starter would be UC Soros. I think based off of just what he did before the pause and what I've seen so far in training camp, I would give UC Soros uh, the slight edge over Pecorine at this point. We had Chris Mason on the morning show earlier today. And you know he, he said it's really close. He doesn't really know which way it's going to go. Maybe Soros has the slight edge, but the real like conundrum is going to be, all right, what happens in game three on a back-to-back situation against the Coyotes where the series is tied one-to-one? Let's say, for instance, like you lose game one, you're down 0-1, but Soros plays well in that game. And then all of a sudden you come back in game two, Soros plays well again, and the series is tied one-to-one. Like, do you move away from Soros in Game 3, even though it's a back-to-back? Or do you keep him around and start every game of the of the qualifying round with UC Soros? I mean, that's going to be a really interesting series. Like, even if they're up 2-0, like if you're the Predators and you're up 2-0 going into Game 3, which is a back-to-back, do you move away from Soros to give him that break? Or do you leave him in? in hopes that you can also win Game 3 and get a little bit of rest that way on the other side of of maybe potentially closing out the series. I mean, these are really fascinating kind of scenarios to think about, I think, if you're John Hines. Now, if you're down 0-2 heading into Game 3 and Soros has been in net, unless you're losing games 1-0 or 2-1, something like that, I think maybe then, of course, you make a, a consideration of changing goaltenders and going with Pekka at that point. But... It's just going to be so fascinating to see what the Predators and John Hines do with their goaltending and and how much of an impact does the lack of travel have. Because, you know, typically when you're in a back-to-back situation in the regular season in the NHL, almost always you're starting both goaltenders. So one goaltender will go on, let's say, the Friday night. And then on the Saturday night, the next goaltender will go. Pretty much always that's how it happens, but... Very rarely as well, at least for the Predators, do you have back-to-back games like at home. Like, How many times have the Predators had like a Saturday night home game or even a Saturday afternoon home game and then turned around and played at home that next Sunday? I think it's happened a few times, but it's not that common with the Predators. So typically it's, hey, there's a we're playing in Ottawa tonight and then we're playing in Montreal the next night. Or we're playing in Nashville tonight and then we're going to play against Minnesota the next night. Like, that's typically how the back-to-backs work for the Predators, so there's travel involved. Well, obviously, in this bubble in Edmonton, you're not going to have travel involved in the in the equation at all. So how much does that change the way that, that John Hines and the Predators view the back-to-back? Like, is not having travel a big enough advantage to you that you're able to go with the same goalie Two nights in a row. And look, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances to that as well. Like, you know, 
in game two if UC Soros wins, but he faces, you know, 48 shots, maybe you're a little bit more apt to go with Pekka the next night because even though Soros may be hot, he's also had a ton of work in a very limited amount of time. Conversely, like if you've gone through the first two games and Soros faces, you know, 21 shots in game one and 23 shots in game two, hadn't really been worked all that much. Maybe you're more comfortable at that point to continue going with UC Soros or whoever the starter is in game three. So all these things we're going to find out over the course of the next week or so, but it's really kind of fascinating to me to forecast some of the decisions that John Hines and the Predators might have to make. I mean, there's a a ton about this tournament that's going to take place that is totally abnormal and, and nothing like anybody's ever seen before. But at the end of the day, like, it's still just hockey. Like, you're still playing hockey. So I think coaches and media members, especially media members, myself included, can sometimes be, like, way... They can way overthink things when it comes to playoffs and trying to maybe get in your head a little bit too much. Like if you lose game one, maybe you second guess too much of what's going on with either your lineup or your your style of play. I mean, sometimes you just get beat. You got to stick to the process and come back and try it again in game two. But sometimes there are adjustments that are necessary. So I'm going to be really interested to watch what happens from a tactical standpoint in this series against Arizona because you don't have a ton of margin for error anyway in a playoff series. There's even less in a best of five. And I'm interested from a mental standpoint between Hines and Rick Tockett. Who can make these adjustments without like freaking out and making way too many adjustments and really causing yourself more harm than good? That's going to be really interesting for me to watch in this series. All right, so to close out today's edition of the Locked On Predators podcast, look, we've spent... A lot of time talking about like, okay, can Johansson pick his game back up and get to the level we've grown accustomed to seeing from him? Can Matt Duchesne pick his game back up? Can Victor Arvidsson pick his game back up? But there's a guy out there that the question I'm asking heading into this series against Arizona and this playoffs as a whole, can he keep his game exactly where it is? Is that possible to play at that high a level? And of course, I'm talking about the Nashville Predators captain, Roman Yossi, because we all know how special of a season he just had as a Norris Trophy finalist. I think he's going to win. I don't know that, but I think he's got a pretty good shot at winning the Norris Trophy. Can he continue to play in these playoffs at the same level that he did throughout the regular season? Because obviously, if he does that, that's going to be a gigantic difference maker for the Predators. Just like stop for a second and think about where the Predators would be this season without Roman Yossi playing the way that he did. Certainly not talking about a playoff team. You're probably talking about one of the worst teams in the Western Conference given the way that their goaltending went for a large portion of the year, the inconsistency of some of their top forwards. Roman Yossi, without him playing the way that he played, you're losing a whole lot more hockey games this year than you did if you're the Preds. So, My question is, can he keep it up? My indication, just from watching him at training camp, yeah, he can probably keep it up. It's one of those things where, like, yeah, he was playing at an absurd level, almost a superhuman level on defense this season. But it's not one of those things that really feels like it's just a hot streak or anything like that or a a good year. It just kind of feels, and Joe Rextrode said it this morning the best, I think, it just kind of feels like 
a really, really good player who is at the top of his game right now in his career. And who knows how long the, the, like the peak of that game will last. But man, is it fun to watch while it, while it does last. So that's my question for Roman Yossi and to a certain degree Ryan Ellis as well. Is can they keep their games at the same level that they were in the regular season? Because if they do, and all these other things that we've talked about on the podcast happen. Jofa Lines playing well. Duchesne Lines playing well. Benino Lines playing well. You're getting good goaltending. Not, not necessarily elite goaltending. But good goaltending. If all of those things happen, and it's a big if, I realize that, but it's also not an impossible if. If all of those things happen, well, all of a sudden you look around the Western Conference, the Predators at that point would stack up against any team in the Western Conference. Not going to say that they're going to beat any team in the Western Conference, but I'd put them right there with the Blues, with the Avalanche, with the Stars. With the Oilers, with Vegas, I'd put them all right there, together. So, if you're a Predators fan, you're hoping that Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis for sure can play at the same level because I think that's fairly likely, just given the way and how consistent they were when they were together. And I understand Ellis got hurt and missed like a month and a half worth of action, and I, I realized that. But he came back and pretty much immediately looked like the same guy, looked like the same player that he was. Uh, before he got hurt. So I feel pretty confident that both Ellis and Yossi are going to be close to the same level that they were before the pause happened. If that happens, and all these other things that we've talked about happen, that's what I like to call the perfect storm, baby, for the Nashville Predators. So we'll see whether or not they're able to get to that. That's going to be hard to do. I realize that. What sort of damage could they do if they get to that point? Well, We're only a few days away from finding out, folks, so I'm very much looking forward to it. That's going to do it for us today here on the Locked On Predators podcast. We will be back tomorrow. Hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your day, wherever you may be listening to this edition. I'm Robbie Stanley. Peace out, folks.